Hey, Danny, you know what? I brought my fishing pole today, and I was thinking, why don't we just skip church today and go I, fishing? Are you serious? Sean, do you know how tempting that is for me <laughs> to want to go fishing today? I mean, if we did that, you know I'm speaking today, right? Well, then who's going to speak? You know what? Why don't you just give your notes to Pastor Scott, or he could just wing it. He'd be pretty good at that. You know, that sounds like a good idea. No, no, no. I mean, I can't do that. I mean, besides, Linda Blanchard has all her family here from England who flew in from England and Georgia just to come and hear me speak. Are you serious? No, but it sounded good, didn't it? Yeah. But serious. You know, Sean, today I believe that there are a lot of people here, all of us in fact, that we're dealing with temptation. I really believe that today this message is for everybody. So guess what? I think we better do fishing another time, okay? All right, I'll take a rain check. All right, good. But I still think I would have caught a bigger fish than you. What? Ugh. Good morning. Hope you enjoyed that little skit. Did you enjoy that? Let's give it up for Sean for helping me. I'm going to ask you to do something, if you would. I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you would, guys back there, can you put on that scripture, the key verse today? Would you stand with me? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. I want to read that. This is the key verse today as we talk about breaking free. Why do I do what I don't want to do? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can handle, more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for this morning as we talk about temptation, about breaking free. Lord, this is a, a, tough, a tough subject. But each and every one of us in here, we deal with temptation. There's nobody immune to temptation. And I pray, Lord, that today as we speak this message that it will penetrate our hearts. I pray, Lord, that there will be no distractions because Satan wants to do that. He doesn't like what I have to say today from your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use me this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would just guide our thoughts today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So why do I do what I don't want to do? Breaking free. You know, you've been following your diet perfectly, right down to the cottage cheese and carrots. But then someone plops a gorgeous piece of apple pie down in front of you. 
with a big scoop of butter pecan ice cream. Oh, to go with it, right? And you fill your will to thinness, melting away to zero. You've heard a powerful sermon from Pastor Scott on holiness last Sunday, and you decide to be nice to that obnoxious office manager at work. But then that same old run-my-day resentment sets in and things are right back to where they were. You're sick and tired of being depressed. You are determined to be happy this week. But then a friend deserts you on the weekend, and you're once again sitting home alone, and that gray mist starts seeping in. You try to will yourself to not be gloomy. You reach around for some kind of leverage, something tangible to hold on to, but there's nothing to grab hold of, and all those feelings are headed but one way, down. Any strategy for changing habits eventually comes up against this thing called will. Unfortunately, it's more often the culprit rather than the solution. In fact, willpower for a lot of us is like whistling in the dark. We hope it exists somewhere in the murky depths of our tempted souls. We hope that it shows up before it's too late. But this thing called willpower is just hard to get a grip on. Our genes, our upbringing, the choices we've made have left us with certain soft spots which the flesh, the world, the devil naturally tries to exploit. We all have these areas of weaknesses where temptations come knocking over and over again. Too often those soft spots turn into blind spots and we're going on maneuvering around the problem, building our layers of defense, not being ourselves, not between ourselves and sin, but between ourselves and conviction. If we seriously want to kick some of those bad habits and have victory over temptation, we have to confront those sins that go to the core. We have to deal with what our personalities make us prone to do or not to do. That's our life challenge. Managing a weakness, replacing unhealthy habits, overcoming chronic sin, substituting God's strength for our vulnerability. We have to go beyond the perpetual adjustments, such as arranging a few details of our life in a more religious way. We must go beyond temporary efforts that buckle under and send us back to square one every time the wind picks up. So what do we do to break free? How do we answer that question, why do I do what I don't want to do? Inside your program, there's a message outline, and I hope that you'll follow along with me and fill it out, because point number one is be alert. Be alert. Recognize who is your enemy. How many of you have been to Hawaii and have been to Pearl Harbor? Good, there's more than I thought. Tammy and I were fortunate enough in 2016 for our 35th anniversary to go to Pearl Harbor. Because I said, if I'm going to Pearl Harbor, I've 
got to go, if I'm going to Hawaii, I got to go see Pearl Harbor. How many of you have seen the movie Pearl Harbor? Well, I want to show you this video clip to prove a point that I want to talk about, about being alert. Hey, I got a large haze. That's too big to be planes, right? Is that what you want to do? Night tonight, fine? Boom! Wrong move. Lieutenant, radar's picking up a large return, moving in from the northeast. Hang on. Relax. It's flight of B-17s coming in from the mainland. Nothing to worry about. A heck of a lot of B-17s. was on December 7th, 1941, on the, on the island of Oahu. That morning at 7 a.m., while the Japanese warplanes were 137 miles out, two U.S. soldiers on a small radar station scanned the screen and saw dot after dot after dot until the whole screen was filled. These soldiers had notified their superior, a lieutenant, because there was no other officer around because it was on a Sunday morning. And that lieutenant thought that the planes that they saw on the dot must have been from the mainland, from California. And he said these very crucial words, don't worry about it. There would have been time to scramble the planes at Pearl Harbor, prepare the battleships and shelter the men. But the lieutenant, at the most responsible time, the most re important time of his career, failed the nation. Because in a careful, planned attack, some 300 Japanese planes from six aircraft carriers had swooped down with a coordinated attack of waves of machine guns and bombing. When the enemy had finished and the strike force had returned to the carriers and the smoke of the battle had cleared, 2,113 Navy men and Marines were dead and 987 were wounded because the enemy's strategy had been meticulously planned. It had been carefully coordinated and almost flawlessly executed. With a loss of six major airfields, almost all the planes, the Japanese had sunk four battleships, badly damaged three more, and wounded an eighth. They also demolished two destroyers and blown the bow off the third, while putting several other war ships, 
permanently or temporarily out of commission. Why? Because we did not recognize the enemy. We had not anticipated a fight. And most importantly, we were not alert. Whether you're a seeker or a Christ follower, you wake up to a Pearl Harbor of your own every single morning. But it doesn't take place on the island of the South Pacific. Your enemy sets his sights on a small harbor where your thoughts, your beliefs, and attitudes are serenely docked, tied to their mornings, seemingly safe. On any given Sunday, Satan can launch a surprise attack and with minutes can torpedo your testimony, char your character, and sink your life. Satan is both relentless and ruthless. He not only prowls, he also devours. So you should keep your eyes peeled to his wanderings and your ears perked to his warring because once he is sighted, you better brace for an attack. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So how do we do this, Danny? How do we stay alert? How do we get victory? Number one, respect the devil. Respect the devil. To get victory over Satan, you have to respect him the way an electrician respects the power of electricity. Satan is our enemy. He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. He's a destroyer. John 8, 44 and 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 talks about this. He has great power and intelligence and a host of demons who assist him in his attacks on us. And let me tell you, if you don't think this is true, I'm going to tell you a true story. I'll never forget this story a pastor friend told me. He was on a plane in California, coming back from California. And he noticed that there was a lady who was praying. And he thought to himself, oh, this lady must be a Christian. And so what he did was after the plane had landed, he came up to her and said, hey, I noticed you were praying. Are you a Christian? You know what she said? She said, no, I'm not. I'm a witch. And I'm praying that a hundred pastors would fall into sin would fall from grace. If that doesn't put you on your knees, I don't know what does. And I'm going to tell you right now, you should pray for your pastor. You should pray for every pastor. Because Satan wants to destroy our lives. Amen? I'm telling you that's the truth. Satan wants to destroy your life. Secondly, you better take control of your thoughts. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that will be acceptable. Find acceptable. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good 
and pleasing and perfect. Be extremely careful about what you allow your eyes to see and observe and your ears to absorb. We have the Holy Spirit of God, if we are Christ followers, to assist us. And if you apply the filters and everything that enters your mind and trust him to provide for you with the discipline and discernment you will need, then you can just do that and take one day at a time. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature does and desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And lastly, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23, a very important verse for every one of us. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What you put into your mind is eventually going to come out. I have a former student sitting right down here. I didn't even know she was going to be here. And I used to say this when she was in youth group, when she was in student ministry. I said, garbage in, garbage out. Because what you put into your mind with all the things that we have available to us now, especially social media, TV, movies, music, if you're not careful, you will fall prey to the sinful desires of lust. And so what do we do? It's right here. Applying God's word in your life. If you want to get victory over Satan, if you're struggling with temptation, you know it. Nobody else knows it, but you know it. You want to get victory over temptation? You better be alert. Applying the Word of God, memorizing Scripture. By the way, striking back, of the 18 U.S. warships that were sunk or damaged at Pearl Harbor, 13 were repaired to later launch a counterattack on the Japanese fleet. Of the six U.S. aircraft carriers from the uh, Japanese strike force, four of them were sunk 180 days later in the Battle of Midway. And only a single destroyer survived the war. The war ended 1,364 days after it started in a crushing defeat for those who started it. And it ended on the deck of a U.S. battleship, not at Pearl Harbor, but in the harbor on Tokyo Bay. In the past, Satan may have made some devastating blows on your mind, like the Pacific Fleet, those thoughts can only be restored in a counterattack against the enemy by treasuring God's word in your heart. 
and in your mind so that the battle can be won. You want to get victory over temptation? Be alert. Point number two. Be equipped. What to do when temptation strikes? What to do when temptation strikes? Look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness, righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Yes, I have to talk about fishing today. I know. As most of you now know, I love to fish. And they're going, oh no, here we go. But it's so important because, as most of you know, I like to tournament fish. Got some buddies here. And if I was going to tournament fish, you got to have the right equipment. You got to have the right pole. You got to have the right bait when you're fishing on Lake St. Clair, especially. Got to have the right line. This is fluorocarbon. It's $21 a spool. Yeah. But you know what? When you have the right line, when you have the right equipment, and one of the favorite things I love to do when it comes to fishing, I love to take people out, especially kids. Well, a couple months ago, I took my friend out, called me out and said, hey, can I bring my grandson, nine years old? They're from State College, Pennsylvania. In fact, I think they're listening today because I told them I was going to be talking about them. And it's my little buddy, Layton, nine years old. Friday and Saturday, got up at 5 a.m., fished with us like eight hours. Five, nine years old, loves to fish. Well, by having the right equipment, having the right bait, having the fish, right fish finder to know where the fish are. Because you could go out on Lake St. Clair and just, some people think, oh, I'll just drop my line and hope I'll catch some fish. It don't work that way. you got to have the right equipment. My little buddy Layton caught the biggest fish he ever caught, biggest smallmouth he ever caught. There's a picture of him. He caught both those fish. Both of those fish were almost four pounds. Can you put it back up there, please, for me? The one on the right with that little ball in there, he took it home because he had it mounted. Because Grandpa said, if you're going to catch the biggest fish, I'll let you take it home and mount it. And he asked me for permission, taking my fish out of St. Clair. I said, oh, Absolutely. And that's what he did, nine years old. Then two weeks ago, I took Tom Gibson and Anna out. You know, Anna, this is Anna's pole. We almost used this in the skit. Wouldn't that have been hilarious? But Anna wanted to bring this pole. I said, Anna. I told Tom, I said, there's no way. She won't catch any fish. This is like... One-pound test. Anna, same thing, using my equipment, knowing where to go. 
I said, Anna, you're going to have a blast. You're going to catch the biggest fish you ever caught in your life. So Anna and Tom and I went out. And the very five minutes after, five minutes after she dropped her line, she caught that three, almost three and a half pounder. Why? Because she had the right equipment. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You should have seen her face. That pole was, my pole. She said, I can't do it. I said, yes, you can. She got it in. It was cool. I didn't show you Tom's picture, but I should have, because he did, he, had, he did the same thing. But can you imagine not having the right equipment? But this is exactly how we fight Satan. We try to fight Satan with the wrong equipment. And if we are not equipped to fight Satan, you will fail every single time. Because no one is immune to temptation. Temptation is never very far away. And when you least expect it, there it is again. If we're not careful, we too can be hooked by temptation the same way a fish is hooked by the bait. Because why? We're hungry. Hungry for fulfillment of the physical as well as the spiritual. But guess what? God has promised to provide for those needs, the spiritual. But guess what? Satan also knows your hungers. He knows your weaknesses. And he too is a skilled angler and knows just when and where how to drop that bait right in our path to lure us away from God. So what are we to do? I'll tell you what we're to do. You can write this down. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. There are so many of us, we're not in the Word. I'm going to tell you this too. Get a good study Bible. I so happen to have the NIV study Bible. You can get the NLT. You can talk to Pastor Scott. You can talk to me. Get a good Bible. Man, the word, getting in the Word of God is going to help you fight off those temptations. Get in the Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Did you hear that? Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. You may be fooling me. You may be fooling Scott. You may be fooling your friends, but you're not going to fool God because he knows. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Second, put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, 
verses 11 to 13. Put on, the, put on all the ar God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. The devil wants to take you out. Did you hear me? The Satan wants to take you out. If you're a Christ follower, he wants to destroy your life. That's why he's trying to do when um, that pastor, he was floored when he found that out. It put him on his knees because Satan wants to take you out. He wants to ruin your testimony for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And I want you to write in a word under this scripture. Flee. Flee. Let me tell you, you may be surprised to know that every time the subject of sensual lust is discussed in the New Testament, there is one command given. Run. Run. We saw this also in the story of Genesis chapter 39 of Joseph, where he had to flee a situation he didn't want to get into. There is no shame in running from temptation to keep you from getting in a situation that you don't want to be in. Run. And then lastly, how do we get equipped? Get involved in a life group. You hear me? Get involved in a life group. You have to recognize the fact that you cannot do it alone. So many people try to do the Christian life doing it alone. Man, I could tell you story after story of people sitting in here. They will tell you if it wasn't for their life group, they'd be in trouble. They wouldn't survive. They would tell you that. You got to get involved in a life group. You can't do it alone. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. When you're down, when things are going bad, because doing life is not always easy, especially as, as believers in Christ. You can't do it alone. You can't. You won't survive doing it alone. Look at what Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, notice what it says, is in real trouble. 
Man, that's what life groups are all about. It's about doing life together. It's about encouraging each other. It's about picking each other up when things go wrong, when things go bad. I'm telling you, you got to get involved in a life group. We are starting life groups. Starting next Sunday, we're promoting life groups. And life groups start the first Sunday in October. The first Sunday, we're in our new building. Woohoo! Yeah. Exciting, isn't it? You got to get involved. If you call Lake Point Church your home, get involved in a life group. We've got life groups for almost every person in this room. If you're a parent and you have teenagers, you better get your kids involved in student ministry. Because Satan is after your kids. He's after you. He wants to destroy your life. I'm telling you, with all the things that we have available now, it's it's not easy out there. We have capable people that are leading life groups. Man, I'm excited about this semester. We have three women's groups. We have men's groups. And by the way, men, October 19th, we're doing a men's stakeout, having a men's steak dinner. Doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> Men, you got to lead the way. You got to get involved. You got to sign up. Ten bucks. Invite somebody to come. We got to lead the way as men because I'm telling you, Satan is doing his work too. Got to do it. Hope you'll get involved. With this story, I want to close. Some missionaries were swimming in a river when one of them was suddenly overcome by the water. On the shore, a missionary that was a skilled swimmer and a water safety instructor watched as the man thrashed around in the water. But he didn't make a move to offer any help. Well, the other missionaries, they started screaming at him. Go in there and save him. He didn't make a move. Because when the drowning man finally surrendered to the power of the water and gave up the struggle, the missionary on shore immediately dove in and saved the man. And later, he explained to his missionary friends that as long as the drowning man was trying to save himself, it was too dangerous to try and rescue him. But when he gave up, he was in a better position to put himself at the mercy of an experienced lifesaver. And likewise, as long as we are trying to overcome temptation and bad habits within our own power, we too will fail. God alone is the only one that is capable of winning our battles for us. You want to get victory over life struggles? 
You want to have victory over temptation? You want to defeat Satan? You got to be alert. You better recognize who the enemy is. And most importantly, you better respect them. You want to get victory over temptation? You've got to take control of your thoughts. You've got to watch what you take in, what you listen to. You've got to be equipped. Recognize what to do when temptation strikes. Flee if you have to. Run. And lastly, get involved in a life group. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I pray that today as we talk about temptation, I, I know that we all sometimes we struggle with temptation. There's not a single person in this room that does not deal with temptation. And Father God, I pray today that you will help us to be alert, to help us to understand that Satan is real, that he wants to destroy our life. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be equipped, that you would help us to get involved in life groups, to quit using excuses of why we can't get involved, because Satan wants to destroy our lives, and we need each other. I pray, Lord, however the Holy Spirit leads, I pray, Lord, that you would move today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.